Oh man, we need a new theme song. That one's too powerful. It's it's, it's overwhelming us. <laughs> Very it's good. Whoa, uh, how do we get in here in the lore dump? This is this is insane. I didn't even know I was here. I was at home eating dinner. Entered the dump zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, audience, run very quickly. <laughs> all right, Jesus all Christ. Right. So we're 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 it's us, the lore dump. Hi everybody, we love you all so very very Hello. much. Welcome. Welcome in. Uh, so let's let's. Uh, in, who who are you, Sean? Well, I think you just answered my question. I'm no. Sean. Who who are you? Oh, I get it. You're an owl. Is that not the joke? Um, hi, I'm Mr. Shickadance, Sean for short. Or recently, I've been dubbed the Governess. Nice to meet you. Hey, the Governess. Oof. That's my new title. Love Don't look at my eyes. I'll have you killed. <laughs> Off with that head. I'm horrible. And I am Josh, a.k.a. The Governor. And Sean and I do this podcast where we make lore. And if you're starting here, you're starting in the wrong place. You should go back to episode one of Lore Dump, because that's where all the juicy good stuff is. Now we're just rambling incoherently into microphones, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we sort of just pick up from last session. We don't move for a week, and then we record the next one and put it out. That's exactly it. We just sit stationary staring into each other's eyes. It's a weird sort of stasis. You know what? To the audience of the welcome in, they'd believe it. They would. If they, if, we don't move, the, the, ever. The people who know us well are just like, oh, they're sitting in the same chair they're always sitting in, doing nothing. Yeah. I mean, we do stuff. But... Anyway, hey. One of these days, I'll see the sun. Hey, yeah. Hey, Anyways, sure. hey, hey. Hey, Josh, you tell me this. Tell You tell me something now. Oh, hey, shit, it's my be turn be to talk. Okay. It's your turn to answer. If the good people who listen to this want to ask us questions and send us stuff that we can uh, help them make on the show, where would they go ahead and do that, Joshua? Well, they would send those to loredumpquestions at gmail.com, where we have an army of hardworking individuals monitoring that email address at all times. Just a whole corporate entity, Fortune 500 group of people monitoring loredumpquestions at gmail.com. Or, pay those squirrels very well. Yes, they're very talented squirrels. It's incredible that they can use a keyboard that well. Um, or they can twit and or Instagram them at us at at the Lord Dump. Right? Yeah. I got it wrong well, last time like and that. I was really worried. <laughs> at the Lord Dump. Yeah, you're right. On Instagram oh, and Twitter. Yeah, see, I did that. I was I totally knew. I got it I got it wrong last time and you told me off, so I was just like, did I do it? Well, that's because you've angered me, but not this time. This time you did good. I'm very proud of you. I should probably write that Instagram and Twitter handle at the lore dump on our, like, little sheet. (laughs) Or you could get it tattooed on yourself, listeners, so you never forget it. They're going to tattoo it on themselves? It's a suggestion. They don't have to, but I'd appreciate it. They get 12 Sean points, and those can be redeemed any time I choose. Lore dump is not responsible for any tattoos that you give yourself. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's, I think that's implied. <laughs> I mean, you never know. You never know. Okay. You never know what laws this asshole is going to come up with next. So what are we talking about today, yeah, Josh? Well, you know, what we're talking about today is there's there's this, this brewing conflict that's been a major part of our canon for quite a while. 
And it's been a really important part of Xander Hamilton's Hammerton's Hammerton. Excuse me, don't, don't, don't say that name. Uh, Xander Hammerton's lore uh, and the first continent's lore and the lore of the dwarfs and the city on the pillars. All of that is tied back to the first race of sentient creatures to populate Toreg, which was the elves. And the elves populated a continent that has yet to been be defined. So do you know what we're doing this week, Sean? Can you guess? With all of those context clues that I've provided for you. We're talking Shadowfell. <laughs> no? I'm sorry. Try, I zoned out one, there for one, a more try, one, more one more try. One more try. Right, start from the top again. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, fine. I guess I'm flying by the seat of my pants here. Uh, second continent? I know you listen to every word I say because I watch you gazing at me in rapt attention. But yes, you are correct. We're doing... <laughs> oh, wow. We're that was doing... lucky. Yeah, good job. Shot in the dark there. Well guessed, sir. Well guessed. <laughs> so we are doing <laughs> the home continent of the elves, the kind of source of civilization to an extent on the planet of Toreg, which is... And also conflict. And conflict, yeah. And this is a pretty big deal. The elves are weird, right? Because they've... They've seen the birth of the other races on this planet. They've mm-hmm. they've seen Grieg making things come alive. They've seen the architect um, creating like the dwarves and then the other life on the planet. Like they've seen all of that happen. Well, given the scale of everything, it wasn't necessarily the first ever elves that witnessed that stuff, but like their descendants. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm sorry if that wasn't clear. Absolutely, we're talking uh, we're, we're talking extensive timelines here. We're talking. Tens, if yeah. not hundreds of thousands of years. Um, so, like, six generations of elves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, you, the, the funny thing with elves and some of the, like, long lifespan races is in regards to conflict and war, they don't live any longer. And that was something that Tolkien tended to play with, is, like, when there was war or conflict, the lifespans of elves were, like, not a lot longer than the other humanoid races because conflict begets death and so there is also there's periods where that war and conflict and we i think we touched upon this too for some of the longer lifespan races which also have longer periods to procreate a child yeah dude war and like mass scale death and plague can can significantly hinder that civilization's growth because could you imagine disease hitting a population that doesn't procreate as quickly as humans and wiping out a mass of the population? I think that would be horrifying, but I also think that like elves overcome that stuff with being good with magic and in tune with nature where they can more easily overcome those sort of obstacles instead of just pumping out more elves. I mean, yeah, I, I you know, but also that only works until you don't run into adverse or that only works as long as you're not running into adversity that bypasses that right like if you get a disease that you cannot cure which like happens all the time i mean again elves have a longer lifespan i'm just saying that these these things can it's not like we're going anything through anything right now in real life yeah it's not like we're it's not like this is an incredibly (laughs) on the nose topic to be discussing nothing comes to mind at the moment as i stare at the same four walls he's been going crazy (laughs) He keeps sending me his hair. 
I was just gonna let that hang. <laughs> I just blew out the microphone with my cackling. We're in a weird headspace today, guys. Okay, where are we gonna start with this this creation? Okay, Josh. Where do we start? Yeah, you're trying to pawn this off on me. No, where do we start, Josh? You know, you're the anthropologist. If this was a, a, a Hamilton reference, you would talk for 45 minutes. I did last week. You get this one. <laughs> I get Hamilton references, you okay, get anthropology. Okay. So, so <laughs> let's start where many good tales start at the, the Caribbean. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The beginning, beginning, beginning. Touchdown. Sorry. What does it look like? What does it look like for these elves to get dumped on this planet? The god sweeps in and he says, you are here as a parasitic life form to keep this egg from hatching. Obviously, he didn't say that because, God, could you imagine having that context? Your existence is just a... (laughs) I mean, so here's something we have to decide off the bat. Were they told this? Were they specifically, like, aware? Were they, like, the first and only race that was aware of their purpose here? What if what if a sort of tribal or savage elves were the precursors when they were put on this planet? And I don't tribal does not equate savage. I'm just using those words uh, to uh, like describe early elves as sort of very primal cavemen. Yeah, very primal individuals who developed civilization. Okay, that's an interesting thought. Here is another thought for you we have canonically established that nature didn't make it to this this planet until this god splits and the nature god can come in and copy the feywild Mm -hmm. that is canonically how the world is sort of covered in this you know verdant greens and stuff like that so were they literally just standing on a barren wasteland i think probably there were like the necessities for life put on by the original god but yeah i think they like it was a horrific place to live for the early elves yeah and i do think they were very like like maybe wood elves like harken their history back to early elves a lot closer than like the high elves and the more contemporary elven societies like it's very very early civilization very you're making basic tools out of stone and that's really all you've got. And searching for shelter and like nooks and crannies on this rough hewn surface. And really all you got and is bec- water and air. Ooh. And because they were designed to absorb the energy from this egg, they were very quickly able to sort of discover magic and make that a part of their lives. Counterpoint, if there was no nature, no animals, no food, or no trees, there was no food. What if they were initially sustained solely by the magic of the egg? That's also really cool. So elves were literally, it's like that, it's where their inherent now magical capabilities come from. They find it very easy to tap into that arcane flow, but that's because that was their only source of sustenance initially before the planet began to change. And then elves evolved over time as the planet began to change. Yes, I I very much like that idea. That's cool. As they sort of started to harness it, they began using it to develop more uh, intricate society. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Ooh. Ooh. I like, it's very, it's very akin to, I really love 
um world of warcrafts um and warcrafts world and lore building like the trolls were actually the like precursors to the elves and the elves stumbled upon magically potent sources of arcane energy which led their society to grow and for their bodies to change into more traditional kind of elves so there's like i, I love stories like that where there's these legacies left behind by precursors that's really cool I don't know what you just said, but it was something about World of Warcraft, I think. Yeah, Sean blacked out and has just been staring into the void for the last 40 seconds because I said... Where did all this blood come from? Hey, World of Warcraft. Uh, yeah, I broke oh, it. I'm sorry, what, what, what just happened? No, it's cool. It's good. <laughs> I'm lost now. <laughs> so, so we've got this like precursor elves. Um, and so the water and the continents were initially carved. And these elves okay. were just dropped onto this one continent and everything else is just a big barren wasteland. And they have to ilk out a living, basically just rummaging around this wasteland, doing little more than siphoning arcane energy off of the planet. Yes. And they don't even really know this. Right? Like, they're just these creatures. I would assume they don't even know this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and then, I like to think that if the entity created these things, he did it with the purpose that, like, if they ever knew why they existed, they would fight back against that. Yeah. When I think, like, they didn't even have, like, they didn't have language, obviously, they didn't have writing, but because this god had, like, the concept of communication existed, so when he made them... He made them capable of it, and then they began to develop of the develop it of their own accord. Like it evolved and adapted. I like that. Yeah. So, how long were they like this? How long were they alone on a barren rock? They were alone for. Um. Gosh, elves live so fucking dang long, don't they? They do. I'm gonna say for. At least a few generations. Well, we really have to decide when that thing split. Because um, they can live over 700 years. So Yeah, I feel like it was probably, relatively speaking, pretty close to when this individual made the elves, is when he split himself. I think we did say canonically that like he made them, and that and was his realized. last act. Like He was like, oh yeah. shit. This is going to draw go. attention. I got to split. Yeah. So he made them. And then like maybe three or four thousand years later, just sort of split himself off into different pieces. Okay. So he made the elves three or four thousand later, years later. He splits himself off. The other entities begin to take an interest in how what they want to do to Torek now that they exist. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's when the elves begin to adapt. The catalyst for them changing is that the world began to change because the gods changed. Yes. They didn't need to up until that time. They were kind of just content wandering around, siphoning energy and kind of chattering at each other. Mm -hmm. and, and then somewhere in those 7,000 years, they didn't evolve much more than just the basic, yeah. like low level thing that they were. You know, like they okay. lived in caves. Maybe they gussied up the caves a little bit. Like, you know, they they figured out that sort of thing. So we have an individual that we've made can canonical. Mm -hmm. 
who in those 4,000 years falls into the other side before these other races come into being. Well, now, the elves are still on the planet evolving even before the other. So, like, the, there's there's still timeline to be played with after the 4,000 years because the god splits and the Feywild, you know, influences this other god and they implement basic nature but that doesn't mean the sentient races immediately hit the ground running so there is also a window there for the elves to begin to develop it could be ten thousand years of just the elves on this planet developing their own society and it's where that inherent xenophobia comes with from to an extent it was their planet for ten thousand years that was it them and nature and these other things that were being seeded by the initial gods and then the architect came into play, the one that began creating the other sentient races because the balance was off. Okay. And I like that. As the elves developed, let's say 9,000 years into their history, or maybe, maybe like, so they're on the rock for 4,000 years. Nature happens. There's another 3,000 years. So 7,000 years into their history, this elf who's relatively established, culture has begun to be defined, there's language, there's art, poofs himself into the other side. And when he comes back, elven society has changed, changed drastically, but more importantly, um, there are all these other races on the planet now because the gods have been dabbling. They've been tweaking and adjusting, and that has completely changed the surface of Toric. What were they doing before anything else showed up? Like after he split, we've got a rough 10,000 years for them to be alone. The I think really there are very... So the, for the first 4,000 when it's just a rock, I think they very much focused on language because they didn't really have to worry about food or shelter. They had to worry about shelter, but they had that in the form of caves and things like that. They didn't have to worry about food because they had sustenance from the arcane flow, right? So that mm -hmm. wasn't relevant. So they did like language, philosophy, like that came to them very early on. Yes. And when actual... That's interesting. The fact that that cognition and thought and deep levels of self-awareness came before basic tools right that's interesting yeah that's really good i like that so they they were they were doing basic art with what they had which was like stone on stone but they were developing language they were putting thought into their existence and the reason for life and mm -hmm. then nature hit and then they were like oh we can do other things with this. This is neat. This is stuff we can play with. This is stuff we can do things with. It wasn't even like, wasn't even like that. It's like, oh, well, this stuff is all ours. Yeah. This is all stuff that we can do whatever we want to because this is our planet and these things came to us. Yeah. And that's what caused that conflict between the nature god and these elves. Yeah, because the nature gods were like this. Uh, they, yeah, they, yeah, that's perfect. The elves were like, oh, cool. This is a thing that has happened for us. And they started dicking around with it. Oh, neat. Toys. Yeah. Let's light them on fire. She's yeah. like, what? And the nature god, excuse me? I put this here to make balance. And the balance just yeah. got worse. Which is why... No, no, no. We can totally take these trees out of the ground and burn them yes. to be warm when it's cold. And we can build structures with them. Yeah. Ooh, and we could do other things with the stone. Ooh, and we could imbue them with magic. And the balance goes... And they start pulling more. And the balance goes further off kilter. 
and the so nature god is like to keep up the it? sentient screwed up my plan and then the architect yeah. is like whoa 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 okay we need to start doing something here to like dial yeah. this in better and at that point the elves had like begun constructing cities because they were like they the philosophy thing they had established their culture and society so well already there was organization to it they hit the ground running fast when resources became available yeah they were just sitting there waiting for something to occupy their time Mm -hmm. and then nature rolled up and was like hi waste your time on me and they're like all right (laughs) that's so good that's so juicy it's very good and it fits yeah the best part oh man now here's my question what elves yeah what if they're like a like almost like a sect of elves like a religious sect that actually appreciate what they were given and like broke off to live amongst nature I love because it. they realized what they the gift they had been given was so you know it's perfect yeah it's absolutely so perfect. awesome i like i, I like, like it. so when nature was seeded it was seeded all across the planet but it was only seeded. one <laughs> puns it was only excuse me one planet that was really or one continent excuse me that was impacted like this initially yes at a time basically they focused on one yeah one that had living creatures on it and so the elves and like we can explain the other factions like you know we had already established that the feywild and the shadowfell and all that already exist outside of this like the abyss and all that as well so the other variants of elves came into existence by interacting with those planes and yeah through messing around with the inherent magic that comes from toreg yeeted themselves into those spaces which created the shatter kai and the eladrin and right although i mm-hmm. do think it's interesting that eladrin are not primordial elves eladrin are after it's what happened yeah. when a toreg elf a high elf was sent to the feywild mm-hmm. that's really interesting but I really like good so all of our elves, yeah, it's it's inverse to to a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. So, but on the planet itself, there were really the two factions: are the high elves, the traditional elves, and the wood elves. And that's what gives the high elves their like stuck-up noses. Like we were the first people here on this planet, mm-hmm. and we deserve this planet because it's ours. And you guys all came here and ruined it. And the Wood Elves were like, no, this is kind of a gift and we need to protect it. Yeah. And the Nature God is like, mm, I don't want you guys really, but it's better than cutting the trees down, so f- whatever. Yeah, I'll put you to work. Fine. You can help me maintain the yeah. balance. Whatever, I guess. <laughs> Go look at those pigs or something. Yeah. <laughs> Very irritated about the whole thing, but it's perfect. God, that's yeah. this is so good. I adore this. I like it. It's really okay, good. Okay, 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 okay. I like so, elves in this world. I, re- I guess I the like elves, elves are I like more specifically what this episode is about so far. Yes. We should read the elves. Um, yeah, so right. what is the rest of the, what is the continent though? So because we've touched a lot about how it sort of affects the elves and yeah. they are a big part of what happens here. Mm-hmm. But what are the actual traits of the continent itself? That's a really good question. I think, oh, that's interesting. Take your time. 
and cut it out if we need to. They have, so our other continent was kind of this original god lumping it together. And and mm-hmm. this, you know, like, we really did define this as the continent of the elves. So, like, I'm good starting elves first. Um, I think there was less of a plan to this. I think it's more of a, like, random landmass. But it's in a very temperate spot. So when he created it, he wasn't really thinking about putting sentient life. Or they weren't really thinking about putting sentient life on the planet. But then when they did, they were like... Ah, this seems pretty good, like, in regards to the shape of this continent. Like, it's very, it's jungles and woodlands and highlands. There's not a lot of cold, like, it's faces the sun most of the year. Like, there's warmth there. It's mm-hmm. it's a very, or, I mean, I know the, the nature of it all really isn't, it needs to be related to the current of magic from Tarig Center. It needs to be the most optimal point for those sentient lives to siphon energy. The ley lines are strongest there. What if there's a crack beneath this continent that was covered up by the debris? He sort of like like tapped it on over like a small hairline crack that was forming. So it's basically like a long, it's a long like landmass that's kind of been lifted upwards. Yeah. It's random shape is based on the random nature of the crack that formed. I like it. And it's sort of spread out over it just in case it gets wider. And maybe there is a huge, like there's mountain ranges on either side of this continent. And then in the center, there's a huge river valley that's very like, when it did get seeded with nature, it became very fertile. Right? And... There is also an inherent sort of conflict there. Yeah. Because when he split, that information was lost. The gods don't even know there's a crack there. It is hidden beneath this continent that a could be explored. Yeah. And it's just weirdly very powerful. It's like the most probably powerful arcane ley line on the planet. And it's like there's holes punched into it from the Underdark as well, right? Because they like, Mm -hmm. you know, the worms and the creatures tunneling through the Underdark have hit this thing, which also gives those creatures access to the surface, which perhaps Mm -hmm. is why the elves are far more militaristic. Because they, residing there, were fighting with creatures from the Underdark from the get-go. Because they found it much easier to get to the surface. So let's take a pause real quick. Explain drow. What are drow tools? They went down the fissure. And they lived there. Mm-hmm. So like a sect of elves broke off from the yep. original group of society and went to live in the fissure. Yeah. And then populated the rest of the Underdark from there. Yeah. I like it. And that's really good. Like, it's not that this is an open fissure, like you said. Like, the continent's been placed over it, but it's that access is much easier. Naturally formed caves that have occurred when the elves started exploring, they found their way into the fissure, and from the fissure they found their way to the Underdark. That is beautiful. That is really cool. So it's these two mountains with this depression in the center where the earth that was initially piled up has begun to sink downwards into the fissure. And there's also potential there in the future. I don't think we say this happens now, but what if as the earth begins to settle into the fissure over hundreds of thousands of years, eventually it gives and sinkholes are beginning to form and massive cracks are beginning to form in the center of the continent. Yeah, that would be devastating. Yeah. 
And maybe the elves are aware of this now, and it's why they began sending the dwarves out to colonize other spaces and continents. I think if that that sort of geological event starts to happen, it's also like releasing spurts of like magic surges, like yeah. random wild magic surges. Yeah, right in. Just sort of the... popping up all over. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. This land has been inhabited for so long and sits on such a dangerous part of the planet that it really is, there's some wear and tear there. Yeah. It's beautiful and pristine, but there are also, like you said, these surges of magic and sinkholes into the underdark. And giant creatures that yeah. are giant for no fucking reason. No one can tell why they're growing so big. Mm-hmm. And things... Like kaiju. Yeah, and yeah, stomping around. And, like, things coming up out of the underdark. Like, the elves have always had to contend with that. Which is why, mm-hmm. despite being very philosophical and creative, there is also a very combative side to them. Hmm. I love it. That's really good. That's good. I love it. Good juicy lore. I love it. All right. First things first. I'm the realist. Do we want to dive into like the capital city, or do we just want to come up with more features of the continent? Well, let's at least define... So we know the the drow went into the Underdark. I think we can parse that out. That doesn't have to be a part of this conversation. When we build the the Underdark out more, we can talk about what happened when the drow went down there. Um, But I think we definitely need to talk about factions within the elves. So like you said, the wood elves went off. Where did they set up? Are they antagonistic towards the elves? What are their capitals like? Is there a single capital? Are there multiple capitals? And same for the high elves. I mean, again, a population that size, it may not just be one city. There could be two or three elvish nations that form a sort of triumvirate or an empire of sorts, right? Um, and each one of those could have their own capital. That's the way, My the, mind always works on that scale, right? I mean, it's a good scale. I like, I like that thought process. So maybe that's... So, there's like a triad of capital cities almost. Yeah. And maybe like a, a trinity. Yeah. Force. Yeah. The trinity. <laughs> there's a triforce of elves. Yeah. There's a link. <laughs> the triad force. <laughs> um, this one. Some of them live in the sea also. Ooh, under the sea. Um, So... Are the wood elves where where are the wood elves? Like where are they in this context? Where are the what? Where Sorry. are the wood elves on this continent? I think the wood elves would resist re- or reside in those woodlands and jungles and things you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And are those just sc- scattered across the continent? And the wood elves are less established nations and more nomadic entities traveling through those woodlands. Yes. Okay, I think that's a good idea. I I like it when we at least have like a nomadic people or a less settled people. It's not to say that they aren't like culturally well established and developed and civilized. It's just that they don't anchor themselves anywhere. They roam. They don't have like a single spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that. We did that kind of with the Minotaurs a little bit too, but that's good. And then the high elves. There's three main nations that form this trinity. And it's a big, long continent, and maybe mm-hmm. those nations are just the north, the center, and the south, spanning across the entire So, continent. those would be located very close to this fissure, then? Across it. The fissure runs straight up the middle, 
and the continent yeah. runs over it, all of them reside, at least a portion of their lands, over the fissure. Okay. Very interesting. I like that. That's it makes cool. a lot of sense for why the elves have such powerful magic. Yeah, they've got that inherent connection there, and they're all seated in those spaces. And then if you do have, like, unique unique like homebrew elves or there's a weird elf you know categorization in uh in in the books that you want to fit into a nation you can use one of those nations one of those that's cool so what rules these elves what these three different societies is there a single unifying leadership or at least an idea well, there's a number of ways to think about it. We could consider theology, like what is their perspective on gods, and is it a church state, or are they church states, or is there a church state of the three, right? Or we could yeah. go completely differently and think of, like, is it an oligarchy, or an autocracy, or a monarchy, or a democracy, or an empire? Like, what are those? Because my thought is it was originally an empire okay. with a singular like grand emperor went right on the other side <laughs> he vanished and then those individual like locations became their own they separated Nations. from each other basically essentially the emperor was the one who went to the other side the empire mm -hmm. the emperor of the grand empire of the elves poofed and the empire fell to infighting amongst his progeny and his advisors and that's where those three nations mm -hmm. manifested like each like city state or whatever had its own course of action the second he disappeared from power yeah there were people filling in that vacuum so quickly that they just all separate from each other i mean hell counterpoint or not counterpoint, addition to this, what if the drow, the early drow, were also a part of that empire and were a fourth faction that split? And went to the Underdark. And went further into the Underdark. So those were the people that didn't fit with any of the three surface societies? Yeah. Essentially, this, because of the fissure, there were three nations on the surface with populations of wood elves modeled among them. And mm -hmm. then... There was a third, fourth nation in the fissure underneath them with their lands claiming the fissure. And when it all fell apart, those elves isolated and then began exploring the Underdark and became contemporary drow. Okay. I like that. I mean, like, at this point, all of all five factions because you've got three three elven nations just branching off from the empire plus the wood elves plus the drow all of them are almost indistingu indistinguishable from one another but yeah. as they split off they become very distinct yes i like that it also gets rid of that inherently evil version of the drow which i fucking hate exactly they are just a different society who have a different culture that is dictated. They're almost victims. Yeah, by living under the ground. Yeah. yeah. And I like that. I, I like I like the idea of maintaining the matriarchy of the drow. 
Um, maybe that is an outcome of the emperor. Maybe he was particularly cool, cruel to the drow. And when they said, um, when they initially broke away, right? They were like, never a male leader again. And for yeah. 20,000 years or whatever the timeline has been, they have maintained that as they lived under the underdog. And they didn't have like a single unifying ruler. They just had all these different houses. Exactly. Yeah. Matriarchal houses like that. that, that the polar opposite of what they had. Yeah. Under, under the empire of the elves. This is so good. The elves are so like cool it. on our planet. I like, I said this early. I genuinely don't usually role play elves. Cause I find it kind of like boring. Yeah. It's fantasy trope. And no, you know, people want to play elves. Awesome. Great. I just, I've seen it so many times that I'm not really interested in it. I would play an yeah. elf in this world. That sounds fascinating to me. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to define about this place? We've got the geography. We've got the political structure. Where did, so the dwarves eventually were seated onto this continent. Were any other races seated onto this continent or were they all put elsewhere? I guess we should define that. That's an important part of history. I don't think they were put elsewhere because the dwarves had to come from here to find the other place. The dwarves for sure. But what about like as the other races were like the humans and. and Well, we've we've seen what tieflings are. They weren't created by anyone in particular. That was a later outcome. They weren't crafted, which is probably why people trust them so little. Yeah. Um, Minotaurs. We're on the other continent. yeah, we haven't really talked about them much yet, but they were on the other continent. Indigenous. We've got gnomes and halflings together on the other continent Indigenous as well. Yeah. Um, humans. We never really got to how humans came up. I think they were the architect's last attempt at balance, and they actually worked. Because they could be, like, self-regulated to such a degree that it didn't really matter. Yeah, and with the god of, of death and war, the twins coming into it, the humans really particularly like leaned hard into that and it began mm-hmm. to counterbalance itself with short lifespans and conflict being constant. Yeah. It was really easy to turn the tap with the humans. Yeah. That was their sort of like grand finale. Yeah. Um, and I think that was, I think that was probably maybe the tiefling continent as well is where humans first set foot here's an idea and this goes back to like original D old as shit days orcs mm. grimish and all that war yeah what if they had a place on this continent as like not like they were the warfaring race yeah but the elves looked down on them particularly because they looked so monstrous with such disdain mm-hmm. that it caused their conflict Okay. I love the elves being at fault because I fucking hate elves. <laughs> Everything's the elves' fault. Yeah. I um so were they where were the orcs? Were they on their own landmass when they were placed or were they on the elven continent? I mean I don't know. Maybe they were like a nomadic sort of like seafaring people like Vikings. I think they're cool I like, like that. Vikings. Yeah. They like manifested on a small, they were one of the ones, and I think maybe orcs and humans were kind of the same, where the architect put them on a very small island at sea. 
the t- a trial run. And then they found their way off on their own. Yeah. And got <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> they just got into everything. The orcs and the yeah. humans are particularly bad about just rapidly expanding outwards. And when the uh, when the elves did come into contact with them, they're like, the fuck? What is, <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> and particularly yeah, I mean, the orcs. I think orcs probably reproduce faster than humans. I think so, yeah. Because they reach maturity faster and they live less. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, because I think originally they were made to be like literally warriors. Yeah, lore wise. For, like, for like wars. Yeah, they're meant yeah. to fight and die. You okay? Yeah, just got the hiccups. Want to take a break? No, I'm good. <laughs> Want to take a five minute break? No, I'm good. Um, okay. Okay. Okay, that is so good. Okay, so we kind of have a few of the other like precursor races. The elves are coming into conflict with all of these. Um, they're aware of the fissure. They're now aware that over, you know, the last 6,000 years or whatever, the drow have begun to manifest beneath them, and they're becoming more and more at conflict with each other. Not just beneath them, but have literally taken the ground beneath their feet. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I I meant it literally. Like, they're underneath them. There is an entire nation of hostile um, or possibly hostile beings there are all these other races beginning to manifest um they've got the dwarves they've got the dwarves under their thumb and they go okay you're hardy all of these other folks are beginning to encroach upon what once was just our planet but now they're actually encroaching upon our continent you are going to go find us more land we want to be proactive and find out what's out there so the dwarves get to do it and then the dwarves go out and go well fuck we don't need the elves this land's awesome. We're going to stay here. It's like, no, no, no. Hang on. That's for us. Like, no, no, we're good. No, we're going to stay here. Thanks, yep. elves. Have You can have our land. Our old busted up land that we don't want anymore. And like, then, we don't want mountains? Fuck. Then the war happens. Yeah. Oh, this is so rich. There's so much history I do here. like that. That's very good it's stuff. So okay. And all of it's so juicy, you can sink your teeth into it and you'd get a big mouthful of lore. <laughs> so good. Okay. <laughs> All right. I've said this before, but I'll say it one more time. Are we missing anything else? Um, I'm sure I there'll don't be things. Think... Yeah. If we're missing anything, feel free to email us at loredumpquestions@gmail.com or at uh, the lore dump at Instagram and Twitter. I like. Yes, agreed. I do like. I have one <laughs> more thing to say because you can't stop my brain. I like to think that the elves are fairly agnostic. They don't believe in a god? They don't care that there's gods. That's fair. I like that, too. <laughs> like, there's been... They, they know there's gods. They've seen what the gods do to this planet. But they're like, well, this is our planet. You're just things up in space who keep adding things to the planet. You're an ends to a mean. If I need to call upon a god to to an ends to a mean or worship a god for a, a certain thing but generally speaking culturally at least they're fairly agnostic they're like it's irrelevant to our yeah. society the gods do not dictate what we think we were the original philosophers we don't need them we only need them if we need to call upon a specific magic right and they kind of are a little standoffish with the gods i like that yeah yeah i think that really ties that up in a neat bow like it aligns with their ancestry um and their personality yeah and their personality 
<laughs> All right. It still leaves room for there to be paladins as elves, right? Like, we don't want to take that away from people. Yeah, right? yeah, you can... I mean, everyone can change their own personal yeah. opinion, but this is just broad society. And it's not that they are atheists. They know the gods are there. They just... Meh. Yeah. Well, it's very hard to have an atheist in a world where clerics have magical spells. Yeah. There's there's no atheists in D. Well, it would be funny to play yeah. an atheist in D and D, but you're just a sorcerer. I'm not buying it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that actually be really funny. Oh my god. Anyway, okay. I think we've got it. I'm sorry. I you you tied it up and and closed out this episode like this lore section so well, and then I was like, wait, 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 wait. One more thing. One more thing. They don't like religion. It's like, okay, well, we ended it there. Jeez. (laughs) Ooh, am I sweating? So, that means it's (gasps) question time, Sean. Is it? It is question time. Already? Yeah, and we... Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. Questions. Oh. Oh, my God, Sean. You deep cut a Blue's Clues reference into the show, and then and then that's a deep cut. That's a deep cut for you. That's Blue's Clues. How dare you? I hate to date myself here, but I'm a little old for Blue's Clues. Well, don't date yourself. Your wife and I are gonna get jealous. <laughs> Ooh, Josh. <laughs> oh, boo. Okay, question time. <laughs> question time. Question time. Okay, so we have a question, Sean. It's a good question. It's from a good friend of ours. It's from. Nope. Lacey, certifiable Lacey. nerd, yes. Member of the Twee community, all-around good person, D&D content creator. What did Lacey ask us, Josh? Okay, okay. Lacey said, hey, at the lore dump, because they tweeted it to us, and they're amazing. I really, really want to put a recurring travel salesman in my campaign. How do I create someone like this in a way that doesn't break the magic within the world or make the party think this dude is following them? That's actually hmm. a really good point. Like, sometimes I put reoccurring characters in a world and the party gets real suspicious. They're like, this dude's sus. <laughs> yeah, he plays uh, Among Us. He plays Among Us. <laughs> he didn't do wires. I saw him do wires, but the bar didn't move. Yeah, that's pretty Also, sus. he tried to sell me a broken magic item. I think he's sus. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I'm voting him out. That's a, this is a really good question. I'm going to ask it one more time. Hey, at the Lordum, I really, really want to put a recurring travel salesman in my campaign. How do I create someone like this in a way that doesn't break the magic within the world or make the party link this dude think this dude is following them? Here's my answer. Maybe they are following them. <laughs> Why can't they be following them? I think that'd be delightful. Like maybe this is a store owner who has like a traveling setup who just fangirls over them the first time they meet and is like, you guys are adventure that's awesome i'm gonna follow you around and i'm gonna like chronicle your story (laughs) their own traveling merchant yeah literally like a little almost like a bard that follows them from town to town i love that i i i i mean a lot of so a you never know how a party's going to respond to a character a lot of the time i put in this like cute fun npc and they're like this guy's a bad guy and a lot of the time I put in this terrible human being who is an absolute monster. And they're like, we love this dude. And so then you have to dial out if you want to commit to them being like a like a betrayal or like a, okay, let's make them actually a friend of the party. So gauge your party's response to the NBC because you can do things to make them likable, like giving them an accent. Anytime I give anything an accent, my party adopts it immediately. 
I won't let them leave. And they won't let them leave. That is, that's a good way to do it. Um, so in regards to like them being suspicious, things like that, where just pivoting on the fly um, and like if it doesn't work the first time, add in another character that's a little bit different with a slightly different accent. And that's now your magical merchant instead of the bad dude, right? Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In regards to power, like not breaking magic, I mean, you could give the NPC magical items that allow them to move around. You could give the NPC a chain of stores that are accessible in most towns and locations that are visited like if you don't want the npc to follow them around you could have the npc teleport around of their own accord maybe npc shopkeep is pretty magically powerful like gilmore is like that gilmore was just a badass like he was competent in and of himself for those of you who don't know gilmore was a shopkeeper in critical role campaign one right and he had access to things to get him around <gasps> I just came with a great idea from Campaign 2 of Critical Role. Yes. Pumat's soul. He can have different mm -hmm. simulacrums manning his different stores around the continent. He really could. Absolutely. So you can go into the store, see the same person, almost like Nurse Joy and Officer Jenny from Pokemon. Yeah. Just like, didn't I? Weren't you over? Actually, this has huh. to exist in our world. We're going to do this. Sorry, Lacey. We're doing this because this is so good. There's a merchant yeah. who's got simulacrums to run his chains. Yeah, but a different. He has to basically make friends with powerful wizards to get different simulacrums because one wizard can't make two simulacrums. Yeah. I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> so he, he has to make friends with very powerful spellcasters. So it's a very connected individual. Yeah, he knows lots of Who <laughs> basically runs this chain of stores across the nation. And it's I a, love that. It's the same guy every time when you go in there. Yeah, I mean the the simulacrums can be right. small variations of yeah. different, but for the most part, they're all the same dude. Oh, that's so which perfect. is awesome, especially if the party loves it. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. That's brilliant. So you could do that, Lacey. There is also, I mean, let's not make this a critical role podcast, but there is also something that Matt Mercer is actively doing in this campaign, which I respect. He's putting a lot less magic stores in front of his party. Because it's the first question everyone asks the second they get to a new town. Where can we buy magic items, health potions, all that stuff? And he's like, there's a war going on. You can't. There's not a lot here. And there's like one store that does it in the entire continent. Yeah. Which is very fair and accurate. And so I think about how, how prevalent you want magic items to be in your game. Then tailor that NPC to that level of availability. And I, that is like I I very much appreciate that. Like, I I will usually put a magic shop in a town, but it has also a very limited inventory, right? Like Seton's a good example where you went there and there were like a specific set of things that they had collected. Once you buy yeah. it, that's it. Like, there's not more restocking that space. So, oh, unless it's like months and months later, they find new yeah exactly antiquities at different auctions or something like that. Yeah. Um. And we well, that's shipping a bottle. Salt, salt, yeah. Saltmarsh does a really good job of their magic. Um, their magic salesperson in that scenario is a merchant from a far off land that is a antiquities trader, and they set up these little shops all over the place. And because they're a sailor who travels to collect the antiquities, it's very easy as long as there's water access, which there is a lot of in Saltmarsh. For them to be at one store mm -hmm. at one point 
and then at another store when the party gets there because they've hopped on their sailing ship and they've went along like their paths can cross organically that way as well yeah that also there's a mechanic in there that allows them to very quickly refresh their inventory because salt marsh throws a lot of gold around in that scenario so they want you to be able to spend it and use it but that's the opposite of the matt mercer effect i really like limited limited item access i like putting it as rewards in dungeons or to be found or given yeah um, it's way more rewarding when it's found as opposed to purchased i think yeah. um, purchasing is a mechanic to allow for player selection when you want a player to be able to pick or a player to spend the gold that they've accrued. But, or you treat it as like, a, oh, they didn't go explore that room, but they should really have this item. Yeah. It'll show up the next time they're in the store. Yeah. That's I do that all the time. Almost like Destiny when you forget to get the Ingrams and they show like, hey, you missed these and it drops them all out. And I will say with merchants, a lot of the time, again, merchants are there for the players to spend gold. Find a better way for your players to spend the gold. Give them a ship. Give them a home. Give them people they need to protect or pay. Business. Yes. That's the business how... will run them dry in days. <laughs> so quickly. Give them a tavern. Taverns are like, like that's a huge part of so many scenarios. Like Give them something to spend their money on that isn't magical items. Magical items can happen other ways too. So that's another thing to consider. There's so many ways to do this, and none of them are wrong. That was such a fun question. Any other thoughts? That was a really great question. That was a great question. Yeah. Thank you, no, no, Lizzie. no. I, I think that's perfect. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really fun ways just to do, like, if you want them to be traveling too, that's another thing. It doesn't have to be like a set store where they magically get to the store every time. Um, there are a lot of different ways to just, just have them be a magical person and not have the party question it. Because you'd be surprised how little people question magical abilities in a D&D environment. Mm -hmm. I can just say like they close the curtain and all of a sudden the cart, you know, folds up into a little tiny card and then the card burns up into ash and it's gone. My personal favorite is the mask guy from Majora's Mask in the Zelda's games where it's a merchant with a giant backpack that is loaded impossibly high and they just constantly seem to run into him like going the opposite direction on the road and he's yeah. always got stuff. <laughs> He's always got stuff. Yeah. Like, I love that kind of shit. It's the best. And they're like, what is this guy's deal? He never seems malicious. Try not to rip them off with a character like that, because if you do, they'll get antagonistic towards him and they'll try and mug him next time. Um, so try and be fair with your prices. But yeah. <laughs> I also, I really like the idea of like a masked collective of like merchants, they're like the masked merchants, mm -hmm. but it's the same guy just with a different mask on. Every time. That's so it's like this creepy. it's it's the guise of like a collection of different merchants and different people but it's the same person every time with a different face mm -hmm. that they either will or won't know depending on how you want to work that like they, maybe they, each one has a different voice and a little bit different features but i really like the idea of that it makes me think of this this whole train of thought makes me think of the uh the salesman from like resident evil what are you buying what are you oh, selling yeah. <laughs> like that guy is always in the most random places standing there well it's also funny you bring up video games because when i played skyrim there was only one maybe two people i ever went to to sell things yeah always in white room <laughs> yep because <laughs> you'd have wares yeah yeah like that's well yeah i went to Dawnstar to steal all that guy's stuff from that bush and i would sell it to people in white room or back to them. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Either or. One or two. It's great. Great stuff. Yeah. 
so merchants are fun like you can do really neat things with them um there's so many options Lacey. that was a really good question thank you for asking that was a fantastic question oh man all right so i mean if people have awesome questions like this question from certifiable nerd the amazing Lacey, how do they get that one came from twitter yeah that one came from twitter believe it or not wow at the lore dump on twitter you can also do it on instagram uh or at the lore dump or lore dump questions at Mm gmail.com there you go such good such good addresses that we have such good places to be and remember it's all run by a squirrel army yeah kind of like the remake of uh willy wonka where they replaced the uh swans with squirrels (laughs) little squirrels looking for acorns i want one daddy sorry yeah that that movie exists it does all right are we just gonna like end this one in awkward silence we're just gonna let it hang there on willy wonka in a sad movie for a while you know that was johnny depp i am aware of that yeah can you believe that yeah honestly actually he's pretty good at that like maybe good maybe not good movies (laughs) it's weirdly syncing up why is this happening <laughs> it's our mashup album it's so good 10 out of 10 find us on spotify At- or soundcloud <laughs> i'm a rapper named m she dancy what's my rapper name Sean? uh notorious whitey wow all right boop, 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 boop. we already cut <laughs> <laughs>